0: Hey, folks, what's up? Mike here. And before we get into this week's podcast, I want to give special thanks to KGRG for letting me crash their studios uh, to do some emergency editing. And a huge shout out and special thanks to Lucky Cybert because without her encouragement for me to keep fighting through uh, technical difficulties, of which there have been many recently, uh, there there would be no show this week. Uh, You're the best. And I love you. Um, also, I want to let you know that my interviews from Music Alley at Emerald City Comic Con will be released as a separate episode later this week. So don't be alarmed when this episode ends a little abruptly. Thanks for your patience. Mike Cyber Radio is an independent podcast. The views and opinions expressed are those of the host and the guests only and do not necessarily reflect those of any broadcasters that any of us either have been, am now, or will be affiliated with. Enjoy the show! Mike Seibert Radio, I am your host. This is the podcast radio show where I talk about stuff and things that are on my mind every single week. If you'd like to get a hold of me, I am at Mike Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Again, that handle is at Mike Radio for all three of those. Or you can write into the mailbag, MikeSybertRadio at gmail.com. And I have survived Emerald City Comic Con weekend, I have returned to the studio, and I've uh, got a jam-packed show for you. A lot of uh, exciting things I want to talk about, uh, but I've also got some interviews and some music from, uh, from some really cool musicians that I connected with at the Music Alley area at ECCC. I want to talk a little bit about uh, Cracklefest 8, which also happened uh, during Emerald City Comic Con weekend. And I've got some other uh, stuff and things I want to talk about as well. But first, I want to talk about some of the exciting things that are coming up in the next few episodes of the podcast with Some Coming Attractions. we um, so I wanted to talk about this last weekend's Emerald City Comic Con that happened uh, right here in my backyard in downtown Seattle, and uh, and that's something that I I complete are going to be super exciting. I uh, I just got into uh, final arrangements with Matt and Tim from the Not So Much But Us show. Uh, we're going to be talking about Black Panther uh, that's been out for a couple weeks now, and uh, um, you know uh, Matt and Tim and myself have been. Kind Kind of itchy to uh, get back together and talk about things because it's been, um, shoot, it's been over a year. The last time the three of us uh, uh, shared a, a radio together, we were talking about Logan, uh, so it would be cool to kind of uh, reconnect with those guys, but um, I, I figured... You know, I mean, Black Panther is such a huge movie. I uh, I saw it um, last week and really liked it. Super excited to talk about it. And I I know a lot of other podcasts have already done their uh, their Black Panther reviews and roundtables and things like that. So um, it'll, I'll be very interested to see how our conversation will be influenced now that it's kind of been out there for a while. Because uh, what I found is like when uh, um, some shows get to see, like, in out trainings or... Or see it uh, day one, um, or things like that. You get um, you get a lot of hot takes, and you get a lot of um, uh, kind of undigested thoughts. So I I like to when I can when I do uh, you know like these uh, these movie review kind of recap roundup uh, type shows. You know it's generally a couple weeks after the movies come out, and well you know it's funny I'm making it sound like I uh, it's, it's it's generally on purpose. Now, very rarely do I get around to seeing a movie um, like 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 day one. Uh, usually, within like the first week, week and a half, it's out. But um, uh, uh, living that full time work lifestyle, um, uh, I, I I don't know how a lot of these movie podcasts do it. Um, uh, I I commend their dedication and uh you know making it out to those advanced screenings and having a uh, really good content for when the movie comes out. Um, uh, but no, uh, um, uh, you know, Black Panther has been in the consciousness for a while, and I thought now that it's been out for a couple weeks, it would be a good time to uh revisit and kind of uh, uh, ruminate on that a little bit. So that podcast is going to be out on March. Thirteenth is going to be next week's show, and then the week after that, uh, dropping on March twentieth. Oh man, I am really excited to announce this. Um, I'm going to be releasing my interview, my exclusive interview with Ron Reinhardt, uh, lead singer from the band Dark Angel. Um, I actually uh, conducted that interview uh, with him uh, in a in a very intimate environment. He invited me out to his home uh, out in. Um, so I wanted to talk about this last weekend's Emerald City Comic Con that happened uh, right here in my backyard in downtown Seattle, and uh, and that's something that I I completely banned. So he's uh, he's going to talk about that with me. Uh, but also we just kind of talked about you know like uh, uh, music and you know he he told uh, um, some really cool fun stories. Um, so I I'm really excited to share that interview with you again. That is. Is going to be uh, dropping on the 20th of March uh, uh, two weeks from this week's show uh, again next couple episodes of the Mike Seibert radio podcast I'm, I'm really excited about and uh, and before we get too much farther um, I, I I know I mentioned something at the beginning of last week's episode kind of at the beginning before the disclaimer uh, but I uh, I, I want to thank everybody uh, for being so patient with uh, you know the disclaimer week's episode came out super late and oh man i uh um you know one of the things that we're taught in broadcasting is that it's all about recovery all about moving forward and don't really dwell on the past. I know me personally when I listen to podcasts and the host kind of drones on and on apologizing for you know like uh, uh some weird technical glitches and things like that, I find it really really tedious, but I I think now I kind of understand where some of those folks come from uh a little bit more. Uh there were some weird uh technical glitches with the edits like uh <laughs> like right after i played the the mega ranson i i said the uh what sounded like the same sentence three different times it was like the ricky 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 remix um and and there were a couple other weird things that i didn't notice until um i i listened back to the episode in its entirety so um you know i i, I apologize for that i uh like i mentioned Previously, I had uh, um, uh, kind of a rough week last week. It was uh, it, it was hard, um, and I and I I talked about it during that show, uh, so I don't want to necessarily dwell too much here. But we uh, we had the occasion to uh, get together for uh, my cousin's birthday, um, and we uh, kind of talked about uh, stuff and things, and it was uh, you know it, it was a good helpful experience uh, for us kind of uh um you know it, it's always hard when somebody passes away that's really close to you and um yeah it was it, it was kind of like one of those weird bittersweet things because like i uh i saw folks at that dinner that i haven't seen for years and i was really you know it's it's one of those things um you know like i told you last week you know if there if you've got family members or friends that you haven't reached out to or talked to uh for a while you know, uh yeah, and for no good reason, meaning like there's no like you know drama or, or uh, bad blood or controversy or anything like that, yeah, just you know what, just just make it a point to reach out because like i was a uh, I was talking to um uh my uncle's brother, and he and I were uh super nerdy back in the day, and you know, like talking about you know transformers and Star Wars and all of that, and we realize that there have been at least 3 to 5 live action transformer movies that he and I have not gotten together to bitch about um and i i said cuz like he saw like the latest one like part 5 uh the uh, the last night or whatever um you know and i've said here on the podcast that I'm not going to watch that movie after part 4. I, you know, Lucky and I left the movie uh and I told her no more. And I I'm kind of proud that I've stuck to that. Uh but anyway, he saw it, said the said the movie was garbage and I said something to the effect of like, "Well, I I don't dislike that first one." And he said the same thing back and we had this weird moment where um neither of us could remember if we had actually had that conversation or not after these live action movies started coming out, um, and geez, this this is going back to 2007, so we're um, we we think we've seen each other in the intervening 11 years, but we can't remember talking about uh, live action Transformers or not. So, uh, but anyway, my my kind of my takeaway there is again, you know, uh, uh, keep those connections alive, uh, because they're. they're they're so easy to take for granted. And it shouldn't have to take somebody in the family taking a pass uh to realize that you have those connections and their and those bonds. Um so so end of uh sermon and PSA there. I just uh I just kinda wanted to get that off my chest. Also, um, as you heard during the intro, I've added a a little flourish, a little bit of flavor, and then that's uh that's uh that's just um my little piece of ongoing tribute uh to uh um to again my uncle's brother who uh, uh passed away uh recently. And and yeah, uh <laughs> oh man, you know, like I, I I just got through telling you that I wasn't gonna dwell on uh technical difficulties, but man, that that last week's podcast uh, almost killed me because it was it was one of those things where um so so I come in to record, and you know, it's like it was. You know, after um, I had heard that Kevin Smith had that massive heart attack and was in the hospital. At that point, I hadn't heard whether he was okay or not. And then a couple hours after that, I uh, heard about this uh, this death in my family and i just wasn't feeling it you know it's like i um uh came into the studio i set up the board i had all my sound effects and my notes ready all of my songs all of my music and i i turned on the microphone and it was just nothing just like like the um uh, my mouth was dry and the words just couldn't come out i i couldn't i i like um you know, you hear uh, Bad Religion's American Jesus to to kick off the show, and basically there's a certain part where I know where it's my time to start talking, and I just listen to it in my headphones, and I just listen to the song Fade, and I couldn't even bring myself to say, welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio, I am your host, blah, 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 blah. It's like, I, I just, I I couldn't make myself do it. And, um, finally I, I got this inspiration, you know, uh, he was a, a huge Def Leppard fan and I know one of his favorite songs is Rock of Ages. So I, you know, uh, bring it up and I play the song and you know, that, that, um, that familiar beginning, you know, once I heard that and it just, you know, it just kind of like gets into it, that just kind of gave me that spark i needed to kind of get through the recording session and you know get through uh that week's podcast but here's the, here's the thing though i uh you know just just to give you a little bit of a peek behind the curtain you know i mentioned at the top during the disclaimer that this is an independent podcast and it doesn't have anything to do with anybody else that you know like i've, I've uh broadcast for um Uh, Just a peek behind the curtain, I record before I go to work, sometimes after, depending upon the timing and things like that. But um, I mention that because since I had kind of delayed so much and shuffled my feet and had so many blown takes, and even after I got the inspiration to start the show... I, you know, it's like I would go and then I would run out of gas. I would go and then I would run out of gas. And I just I I just had the hardest time pulling it together to talk about all this stuff that that I was very very excited about you know it's i i wanted to share these songs from these artists you know encourage you to go out to crackle fest encourage you to go see uh emerald city uh super villainy uh to you know while you're there at emerald city comic-con to visit all of these uh great cool artists in a music alley and really to kind of be a champion for that music, and you're going to hear some of that in some of these interviews I've got coming up. But, um, I, I, I ran out of time basically, so I had like this half of an episode that I didn't know what to do with. And, uh, basically, I, um, uh, you know, I ultimately released it on Thursday, but yeah, I was messing with it on Wednesday, I was messing with it on Thursday. And the more that I screwed around with it, like in editing and basically my I broke my editing software, like it was something like when I was like adding songs and editing stuff and moving stuff around. Um, it just I, I I, just ended up creating all kinds of problems. So um, after I published it initially. I listened through it, found a whole bunch of problems, fixed those problems, so I thought, and then in doing so created more problems. So so anyway, I, I apologize. Long story short, I, I guess I just needed to get that off my chest so that I could uh, <laughs> feel better about it because, you know, I, I joke that this show isn't any good and I don't know why people like it and all of that, but regardless, at the end of the day, I I. I feel like I'm trying my best and doing my best to give you the most well-produced podcast that I'm able to, um, because, you know, I mean, th- this is, you know, a conversation for a different day, but, you know, like one of the the things that I find most frustrating as a podcast listener and a fan of the medium is, well, uh, uh, poorly produced podcasts or, or just shabbily made stuff where, you know, like the audio quality isn't good good or like the editing is terrible or you know or whatever I mean I, I unfortunately I've become a little bit of a podcasting snob um in uh in my time as uh both a podcaster and as as a fan I kind of know what I like and I know what I don't like uh but anyway so as you know in that little voice is telling me I'm actively doing the stuff that I know that I don't like, so I'm just, uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna knock it off. But I just, I, I just wanted to uh, talk to you for a sec, um, just about, you know. Again, it's like that. Uh, that episode nearly killed me. Uh, uh, go back if you haven't yet and listen to all those screw ups. Feel free and uh, uh, blast me about it. But um, I, I wanted to talk about the Oscars for a hot second. Those were obviously the Academy Awards were uh, this last weekend, and um. Uh, A couple months ago, I did a podcast with uh, my man Killing Spree, and we talked about some of the things that we wanted to see and some of the things that uh, uh, most appropriately we didn't want to see. And uh, one of the things that I found uh, kind of interesting is uh, no Oscars for Star Wars The Last Jedi. You know, it uh, it was nominated for... All of the uh, technical awards, you know, like sound mixing, sound editing, uh, visual effects, and uh, I think a, a couple of the other uh, categories, but um, uh, walked away empty handed. And I'm not sure how I feel about that. I, um, I, 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 but I. Uh, I I don't especially care about the Academy Awards anymore, which is kind of heartbreaking because when I was a kid, I just remembered I really really cared about that stuff, and I I don't know if I can even explain why. Uh, but I don't know, it's maybe like the pageantry, pomp and circumstance, things like that. Um, I don't know, uh, but yeah, for uh, you know, I I didn't watch the Oscars, I didn't care to. Um uh you know like we talked about in that podcast a couple months ago I I've seen virtually none of the movies um and really the the only thing that's really turned my head is the fact that uh the shape of water won so many of av- awards uh that was a movie that I was kind of like mildly intrigued with um when uh when it first came out in limited release um and I remember I remember I was talking to a buddy of mine and we we it was it was kind of a different topic but we were talking about kind of like the failure of universals, you know, quote unquote dark universe, you know like where like uh the the Tom Cruise mummy movie was supposed to kind of kick off this this universal monsters avengers style expanded universe thing and 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 that's not happening now. Uh but anyway, I I remember uh I was talking to Uh, this guy, and I pointed to this uh, Shape of Water movie, I was like, yeah, you know, you take a movie like that, and that's basically the creature of the Black Lagoon. And wouldn't it be interesting if... uh, Instead of trying to make the universal monsters into comic book movies, comic book heroes, you kind of do these little prestige, artsy uh, kind of movies and tell these kind of stories. You know, basically the the story of of a mute lady falling in love with a fishman, you know. So, I mean, but you call that the creature from the Black Lagoon? And you know, I I think you're onto something there. You know, and do something similar with you know the mummy or the Wolfman or Dracula. You know, because uh, I I don't need uh Dracula Untold. I don't need the the comic book origin story of Dracula. That's that's just dumb. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I, um, with, uh, The Shape of Water and, and it cracks me up because we didn't even mention that movie by title, I don't think, in our Oscars episode I did with, uh, with Killing Spree a couple months ago. We were, we were too busy fixated talking about Star Wars and War for the Planet of the Apes and Blade Runner 2049 and the, uh, uh, things like that. Now, um, so... Um, I, I have a, a brief list of some of the Oscar winners. You probably already know who all won by now, but uh, going down the list, you know, Best Picture, The Shape of Water. Uh, Guillermo del Toro won Best Director for Shape of Water. Gary Oldman won Best Actor for Darkest Hour, which again, I might have to watch that movie now. I was intrigued with it, uh, but um, that that's that's a dude that was uh, way overdue um along with uh, Del Toro as well um in uh, the acting categories best actress uh, Frances McDormand for three billboards uh, supporting actor Sam Rockwell for three billboards and that's a movie that seems polarizing as hell i i know virtually nothing about that movie except that it's polarizing. Um so I uh uh but but I know those were kind of the front runners. I mean really from what I understand really no big surprises uh with uh with this year's oscars uh, uh best supporting actress was Allison Janney for Itonia that's a movie I really want to see I'd be uh, interested in that um uh call me by your name uh, best adapted string, uh screenplay play, jesus um uh best original screenplay for get out uh that that one that one did kind of uh, blow a lot of people's hair back and I think that's uh I think that is the perfect type of uh recognition uh for for that movie it's maybe too soon to give jordan peel best director um uh certainly not best picture and i and i'm not trying to be controversial about it it's i mean it's it's a cool movie it's a great concept and i am beyond excited for what jordan peel does with uh that twilight zone reboot that he's working on but yeah i mean i mean maybe um anyway i i think um original screenplay is uh is the um uh uh, the perfect type of recognition incidentally I, i skipped over it but with adapted screenplay that was the movie that logan was nominated for and i am kind of bummed that it didn't win but i'm still i'm just excited that it was nominated quite frankly so i i think that's recognition enough for a uh, comic book movie, especially an R-rated, super violent, uh, uh, super dour ending uh, comic book movie. Um, but then uh, uh, moving on, we have uh, cinematography for Blade Runner 2049. Costume design for Phantom Thread. I'm not watching that. And uh, uh, the movie that I thought was going to... I, that The movie that I'm glad didn't really... Um, I, I'm saying this all wrong. Uh, Dunkirk won Oscars for film editing, sound editing, and sound mixing. Uh, technical categories, and I'm okay with that uh, because I uh, I don't like that movie. It's a 90-minute movie that feels like three hours. Um, but the technical stuff was really, really cool. Um, let's see, uh, hair, makeup and, uh, hairstyling and makeup for darkest hour, original score, shape of water, uh, production design, shape of water. And, um, so yeah, so, um, I, I just happened to have a list in front of me and I found myself reading it, but the, uh, the main point of contention and I, uh, I don't shoot. I, Okay. So I was advocating for Blade Runner twenty forty nine uh, to win uh, best cinematography because I felt that Roger Deakins was due. You know he's a thirteen time nominee, uh, but also um, uh, Blade Runner is ju- it, it's a gorgeous movie and it's all cinematography. It is a beautifully shot if not boring movie. <laughs> but uh but no, I I love it for that. I mean, and I I'm really excited for that. But the thing that that did um this one kind of cocked my eyebrow a little bit. Uh Blade Runner 2049 also won four best visual effects and yeah, they did some cool stuff. You know, it's like the the thing with that hologram chick was really really cool. You know, I I've talked about that at length, but um I I don't I don't know if that's deserving of uh visual effects. I mean, shoot, I would I almost swear. Um I I would almost give it to Star Wars over Blade Runner, but I I think the uh, biggest misfire and biggest snub is that Blade Runner 2049 wins visual effects over War for the Planet of the Apes. Now, that was the the only category that War for the Planet of the Apes was uh, uh, nominated for, and I felt, and I think Killingsbury did as well, that if that. Won that award? That would at least be some kind of recognition for the technical achievement of that movie because it is gorgeous. It's stunning. Um, the fact that Andy Serkis has never been nominated uh, in an acting category for his portrayal of Caesar is a crime. <laughs> but I, but but I have a uh, uh, killing sprees live response from uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine uh, winning best of visual effects. Over a War for the Planet of the Apes. No. <laughs> uh, you know what, buddy? I don't even disagree with you. Um, I, I just, I, I, I don't know what to make of that. <laughs> um, so I wanted to talk about this last weekend's Emerald City Comic Con that happened uh, right here in my backyard in downtown Seattle, and uh, and that's something that I, I completely. Take for granted. Uh, this is uh, like the the number five, I think, uh, most uh, largest attended uh, pop culture and comic book convention in the U.S. Uh, there was like like one hundred and ten thousand people at last year's show. Uh, this year, I would imagine it would uh, it would be about the same, uh, but again like you know you you kind of take for granted uh the things that you have kind of there in your hometown i've uh, I've been to emerald City comic-con every every single show so this would be uh number 16. I watched it grow from being a a one-day show in a pavilion next to a football stadium to dominating four full days at the Washington state Convention Center where they keep finding more and new rooms to put stuff in I mean It's like, you know, like all the uh, I mean, it's even spread beyond the convention center now uh, over at the Sheridan Hotel, uh, just around the corner. That's where a lot of like the uh, uh, celebrities were, you know, like for photo ops and autographs and and that whole scene. Uh, But, yeah, no, it just it just keeps growing and expanding and getting bigger. But what I've also found is that with that growth, at least in like the uh, the last two years, I've noticed is that. That it's uh, it's also become even more tightly organized. Like uh, um, you know, like I'm I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about the uh, music alley portion uh, that's uh, that's adjacent to the artist alley. But it's interesting going up there. It's on the sixth floor of the convention center, so it's uh, it's away from you know like the mainline exhibitors, and it it feels like. Its own little show. It feels like a big little show within a giant show, where like you, it's it's one giant ballroom where it's all of the comic book creators. And unlike say somewhere like uh, San Diego Comic Con, and I and I've heard this from time and again from uh, comic creators that i have interacted with you know like artists, uh, um, artists and writers. They always feel like at San Diego that the comic creators are the least spotlighted. They Artist Alley is kind of like in a back corner. Um, uh, some, uh, some creators even refer to it as a ghetto. Um, but uh, one of the things that they've always been impressed with, whether it's uh, uh, first time attendees or people that have been to ECCC uh, time and again, is how much comics and comic book culture and comic book creators are are really uh, spotlighted. It used to be, you know, it was right there front and center, but now as they've reorganized stuff, it's more exhibitors when you first walk in, and now you have to kind of—it's uh, it's one of those double-edged swords because you have to kind of take extra effort now to find Artist Alley. But by the same token, once you're there— you could spend your entire show there. And that is the interesting thing um, about Emerald City Comic Con, also, in that it's so fragmented that depending upon what your interest is, you can just spend your show. There doing that thing, you know if you want to meet the celebrities, hang out at the Sheridan, you don't even need to go to the convention center um and I think that's pretty interesting, but that's what it is you know it's everybody can have quote unquote my show or your show. Um, so yeah, I, I, for, for my show, I, uh, I spent the majority of my time at, uh, at the brand new music alley at ECCC, which, you know, like I've spent the last month's worth of shows talking about, but it was, a, it was really, um, it was a really cool experience, um, seeing, uh, independent music and uh, specifically nerd music uh, and independent nerd music, just to put it all together, there uh, you know have a platform and to uh, be spotlighted. the uh, The sound crew did a really, really good job of uh, wiring everything because, like, it was kind of funny. Like, I was listening to uh, some of the performances with um, a critical ear kind of wondering how it's gonna sound so I I kind of like stepped back to the end of the room to hear how it sound and I uh, I had to get halfway through artist alley before the music uh, completely drowned out and just kind of got uh, lost in the din of the crowd uh, but I thought that was really cool because like basically these uh, um, these performers are doing small shows and concerts kind of right there in the middle so theoretically you know uh, almost like a siren song it would kind of catch ears and bring them over to you know check out what's going out on stage and you know they had exhibitor tables there to you know like sell merch and things like that so uh, that's where I spent my time and chatted with uh, 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 some of the folks that we're going to hear from in a couple minutes but one thing I do want to talk about I um I didn't spend all weekend at the at the comic con, um, and and that's a change for me. Like once upon a time, I was thinking that um, that I was almost like old man Logan, and that last year uh, for the fifteenth anniversary, that would have been my last show. You know, I thought I had a really good show. I spent um, a lot of time uh, uh, hanging around with the costume characters for causes, folks, and you know, like uh, doing promotions for. Them and really kind of trying to uh, help them uh, get get their uh, their message out there, and that was really kind of how I spent those four days. I did all four days of the show. This year was a little different. I almost didn't go. In fact, really, it was the um, uh, the inclusion of Music Alley that really turned my head. And I was uh, I was talking to a buddy, and I already knew I was going to go to Cracklefest on Friday. So he's like, you know. Why don't you just go on Friday, Um, knowing that I work in downtown Seattle, not too far away from the convention center? And he was like, yeah, just, you know, just just go then. And, you know, uh, that's what uh, Lucky and I had talked about. And that's what she had encouraged me uh, to do uh, previously as well. It's just like, you know, if you're if you're going to do one long day, just do one long day. Um, for, for my work, I ended up working the entire weekend and that, and that was okay. I was, I was cool with that. I didn't want to necessarily, you know, like go out of my way and, you know, try to figure out how to, how to ask for the time off and all of that other stuff. But, but, uh, I, I have a story and this, this, this is where I'm going with all this is. So I, um. Uh, The convention center isn't too far away from my work, so what I did was Friday after I got off work, I, you know, got changed into my, you know, convention-going gear. I uh, changed out of my work shoes into my most comfy Nike Air Monarchs, and I uh, once again donned my um, iconic uh, Sam Raimi Spider-Man jersey, which I have had since 2002. Um, It's a... it's a little more snug around the middle than it used to be, but that's uh, that's kind of my go-to Comic-Con uh, uh, jersey. It's a baseball jersey. And I, I uh, you know, like, uh, my wife and I, we picked it up, like, at the Everett Mall. They were having, like, it was like a Universal Studios overstock liquidation sale. So, basically, they they, you could get, like, Universal Studios merch, but at this liquidation sale, and I don't remember we paid for it, but it was like stupid cheap. And especially for all of the, the love and use I've gotten out of it. Um, so much so to where even when I ran into, uh, uh Kyle Stevens from Kirby crackle at a, at the hard rock re- later that night, he asked me if it was a new shirt. Cause you know, I only wear it, uh, once or twice a year, um, and no more than a few times per year. Um, and yeah so I mean it's been very well preserved and taken care of. Anyway, he he thought it was a a new shirt. And no, it's just uh it's just a vintage uh jersey that I've been able to take care of. Um I digress. I um so I I start walking from my uh my work to uh the convention center and I realize I'm walking under the monorail track. And I get this weird idea. I turn back around and I head to Seattle Center and I rode the monorail, uh, Seattle's iconic monorail from the Seattle Center to Westlake Center, which is, I don't I don't know, um, maybe a mile worth of track. Um, I'd have to do the research and check. But anyway, so I rode the monorail, something I haven't done since I was a kid, uh, rode the monorail uh, to uh, uh, to almost the convention center. And and huffed it the rest of the way. Um, yeah, it was it was just something that was just kind of fun to do. Um, I was prepared to do the full walk and just didn't. Now jumping ahead a lot. Um, that uh, that approach didn't work. On the flip side, I ended up walking back from the Hard Rock Cafe in downtown Seattle, which you know was only a block or two away from the convention center, and I had to walk. All the way from there, all the way back to my car, it took me about a half hour um, in the middle of the night because the show went way late. And yeah, to make my way back to work to get my car out of the garage, um, that was an adventure. I uh, I ran into some um, unique characters. Along the way. And, you know, if I if I knew then what I knew now, because uh, here in uh, uh, downtown Seattle, we have um, a bunch of different bicycle rideshare uh uh, type of things the, the in fact our streets were littered with them there are three different ones there's some yellow ones some orange ones and some green ones I'm not gonna mention them here because they're not getting plugs on my show anyway um, but no basically they're they're app driven and basically you scan like a QR code you set up like either through Apple pay or Android pay uh, with your account and then you basically rent this bicycle and you can drive around the downtown core um, I don't don't want to get into the politics of it because there are some politics involved. Um me personally, I think they're a bit of a nuisance just because they litter the sidewalks. Um uh like when I went to China last year, there 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 was just bikes everywhere and I can see Seattle kind of getting towards that, but I confess that as I'm I'm walking block after block and passing scores of these bikes, I was like, "Huh." And and what it, what it came down to is I didn't want to stop because you have to download the app, then you have to pair it with an account, and so it's not just in a couple steps. So ultimately, I just I thought it most uh, efficient to just continue walking rather than uh, uh, than taking the time to unlock a uh, rideshare bike. But but I almost did. Um, uh but anyway the uh, uh the convention was a blast. I had a great time, you know, and and it was uh, uh, kind of nice to um in a sense break with tradition like, you know, one of my uh favorite things to do was to get their Monsters and Dames uh charity art book where basically uh, artists that are going to be uh, tabling and featured in Artist Alley at the convention um, are uh, they they submit a piece of artwork. They donate it and it's featured in this art book, which is sold and the proceeds benefit Seattle Children's Hospital. And it's uh, it's really cool because it's basically that artist's interpretation of what Monsters and Dames means. Like it's uh like when uh, the book first came out, the first year they published it back in like 2009, it was a lot of pinup stuff, you know? So it's a lot of, a lot of cheesecake, a lot of like, you know, a uh, creature from the black lagoon slash damsel in distress type of stuff. But over the years and as more and more artists have uh, become involved there there have been some really, really cool interpretations. And a lot of times where kind of the roles are flipped, you know, it's like, you know, who is the monster? Who is the dame? Who is the damsel in distress? You know, who's in distress? Uh, you know, things like that. And I've uh, I have seen some incredible art in that book. And I am uh, um, I'm glad that I got my copy uh, this year as well. Um, if there ever comes a time, that I'm not able to go to the Emerald City Comic Con that is the thing I'm going to miss out on the most is picking up my uh, copy of Monsters and Dames but the reason why I'm talking about this is like my tradition used to be one of the cool things that I did was uh, since the artists are there at the show I would take the book and get it autographed by the contributing artists and that's kind of where I would learn some of these stories about like what San Diego Comic Con was like compared to Emerald City and you know uh, a lot of these artists over the years I've kind of gotten to know it's like you know it's almost a shorthand it's like oh yeah an, another another great piece thanks you know or I'm so glad you got in the book because here's the thing there's a there's a finite number of pages in the book so um not everybody that submits a piece gets in and sometimes there's some drama and some shock and some disappointment and things like why this piece and not that piece you know um you know, as you would expect with something like that, but it's uh, it's always been a cool experience for me. Uh, but this time, I was still able to get my copy, but it's uh, it's shrink wrapped. Still, I still haven't unwrapped it. Even now, um, I, I still need to kind of stop and catch my breath and uh, actually take the time to uh, uh, go through it because I, I've I've been so busy of late. But uh, but it has been autographed by exactly nobody, and that's how I presented it to Lucky. I was like. Here's my new copy of Monsters and Dames, autographed by nobody. But I was I was still really excited uh, to grab the book, and I will uh, uh, still try to contribute and participate with that um, as long as I am able to. And you know what? At, at this point, I think since I'm kind of uh, steering into it, I think it's time for a, uh, a special Emerald City Comic Con edition of some Shoutouts. shout outs. So yeah, there uh, there were a, uh, a couple folks and some organizations I wanted to uh, shout out uh, at the Emerald City Comic Con. Um, so so I mentioned that the Monsters and Dames book is a charity art book that uh, you know uh, contributes to Seattle Children's Hospital. Uh, but another charitable organization I want to give a huge shout out to is the Hero Initiative. Uh, they are the first federally recognized not for profit organization dedicated to helping comic book creators writers and artists in need Um, and it's a it's a charity that has become close to me and i've fallen in love with and basically what they do is they they collect funds through various uh um art books and other uh, uh types of charity drive things to help out comic book creators uh, that have created all of the stuff that we are fans of that you know maybe didn't get uh the best deal uh when they were doing work or f- work for hire stuff uh, back in the day for uh the big two companies uh they they help a lot with uh, medical expenses and uh yeah just uh just helping out uh the creators of the stuff This has been a production of Mike Seibert radio. If you'd like to listen to any of my past episodes, including all of my old college radio shows into about like, you know, some of the creators that, you know, again, we, we assume that just because they created a character that has been featured in movies and that we're so familiar with that these are multi zillionaires and, more often than not, that is just simply not the case because of kind of the way that the comic book business operates. Um, you know, compensation for uh, creators is really a uh, um, it's it, it's. It's it's a messed up system that I don't understand. I, I don't want to necessarily get on my soapbox here and distract. But but because of that, uh, the Hero Initiative is, is something that's been very special to me. And at their booth at Emerald City Comic Con, they uh, traditionally have... This has been a production of Mike Seibert Radio. If you'd like to listen to any of my past episodes, including all of my old college radio shows, benefit the Hero Initiative. And that's something I've always been, um, excited to contribute to. I, uh, it's kind of funny, like, back in the day when I first started getting Ben at the Hero Initiative booth, it was, uh, it it was a practical thing. It was like, oh, uh, that artist is there at that time, and that's some place I can go and drop off my sketchbook. I, uh, Uh, One of these days, I'll, uh, uh, you know, like, uh, share some pictures of my uh, Django Fett uh, sketchbook that, you know, I've been toting around to Emerald City Comic Con with me uh, uh, since 2002. Um, I think... I, I think I have maybe one page left in this uh, in this giant sketchbook, uh, but anyhow, um, uh, artist and writer Jeff Parker uh, was volunteering at the booth this time, and I I'm super bummed because because of the way that my schedule was, I beelined lined over to the booth. And chatted with the nice folks there. I made my donation, gave them my book, and said, I might not be here, but I need this back today because I'm Friday only. And I and then I went off and, and did some of uh, the other stuff uh, that I'm going to talk about in a few here. Um, and... Uh, Jeff Parker has, uh, um, you know, he's doing a lot of cool stuff with DC Comics. He did uh, Agents of Atlas for Marvel, um, as well as a lot of other really cool stuff. He's a great guy. He uh, he is the only artist in my book that I can think of that has been featured in twice. Um, a long time ago, he uh, he did a sketch of Django Fett um, unmasked. And I remember he was telling me at the time, he's like, well, do you mind if I draw him? without his helmet on because the actor just has a such a unique face that I think I want to draw that. And I was like, yeah, shoot, uh, knock yourself out. And he did. It was really cool. So, Um, to come back around towards the end of the book, um, he just he did this this amazing commission where it's uh it's a very large you know uh uh Jango Fett flying around in action, guns drawn, ready to go. It's uh and it's a really cool uh compliment to his more subdued piece that he did all those years ago for me. So I think so I thought that was really cool, and I'm super bummed that I. I, you know, I I must have just missed him because I wanted to go over, shake his hand, look him in the eye, and thank him. Um, uh, because it, it's a really cool piece. And I also wanted to thank him for, uh, uh, donating his time and, uh, helping, uh, participate with, uh, the hero initiative. And, and I wanted to also give a shout out to the CBLDF. That is the comic book legal defense fund. Um, I, uh, I bought some stuff from them. I got a couple, uh, uh, pins from the comic book series, paper girls, which if, if you're not reading paper girls, what, uh, you need to get your life together. It's a, uh, it's an amazing book. of uh, I, I can't even describe what it is. It's a it, it it's uh I guess I mean it's it there's a lot of eighties nostalgia, there's time travel, it's kinda like I mean and, and a lot of coming of age stuff. It's kinda like uh stand by me by way of uh, Pacific Rim, I guess, because there's a lot of like robots and kaijus and, you know, I, I, that doesn't even make sense. I I don't know how to describe the book other than to say that it is uh, it is sublime and amazing. Uh, Brian K. Vaughn of uh, uh, Saga fame, as well as uh, Why the Last Man and a bunch of other cool stuff that I've always followed. And uh, uh, Cliff Chang, who uh, did Wonder Woman for a while. Um, that Anyway, that book is amazing. They, they have uh, some enamel pins that are exclusive uh, to the uh, uh, CBLDF, so I was glad to buy those. Um, And um, uh, the CBLDF is kind of the uh, i I don't want to say flip side of the hero initiative because thats that's that's not accurate but basically what what uh the comic book legal defense fund is is uh they specifically combat um uh censorship in that like you know um if a comic book creator finds themselves in legal trouble uh for their content uh the c b l d f is uh is there to help with that so a, a lot of really great Uh, Comic book creators, you know, often donate um, exclusive uh, stuff like, you know, autographed books and things like that to uh, uh, to help the cause there. So um, I I'm always glad to help with those guys as well, uh, because, you know, even though I don't read as many comic books currently as I used to, I, I feel that it's important to support the artists behind the art. And I, and, and I think a lot of times, uh, the creators are the most forgotten about, you know, as, uh, as characters and books and stories, uh, surge in popularity. So I, you know, I've, I, I've always been about, you know, like learning, uh, you know, like the stories behind the art and the faces behind the art and, and, um, uh, Uh, things like that. So anyway, so those were um, a couple shout-outs I wanted to give there. Um, So over the last several weeks, you've heard me talk about Costume Characters for Causes. In fact, uh, we had on Jason, one of the directors of that organization um, a couple few weeks ago to talk about what they were doing at Emerald City Comic Con. Um, You know, they they had the photo booth, uh, they had the um, uh, Funko Prototype Auction, um, and basically what costume characters for causes does is you know they they spread um awareness funding and joy for uh local pediatric charities you know and and basically encouraging you to be someone's hero every day hashtag be someone's hero um uh but anyway uh uh towards uh towards the end of the convention. They did a Facebook live video uh, where they've uh, they revealed the uh, the proceeds uh, that they raised, and I am uh, one. I am super proud of everybody involved, and the amount is uh, just staggering. So rather than you know just reading it off, I thought I would share this clip um, of that video with uh, with you here now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're on Facebook Live. This is Costume Characters for Causes. Getting ready to wrap up Emerald City 2018. As many of you know, we had an auction uh, of selling off some of the, uh, the rare Funko prototypes donated from our Funko artists and uh, uh, designers. And we had a, an amazing event that totaled out $31,660 for the Good Times Project. Ladies and gentlemen, good job. Let's hear it for. Woo! Woo! Yeah. Excellent. Thank you very much, everybody, for your participation. This could not have, have happened without everybody's support and assistance. Guys, I am so proud of everything that we've done. Oh Thank you so much. Mike. I'm going to lose it. Let's go. Wrap it up. Nice. And, uh And once again, that dollar amount going to the Good Times Project is... So again, I just, uh, I wanted to give a huge congratulations and a, um, yeah, just a huge shout out to uh uh Jason, Mike, Batman, everybody involved with uh costume characters for causes. That's uh that's incredible. I'm sure that shatters every record of uh funds that they've been able to uh, uh collect and donate to the Good Times Project and I that's uh that's going to make a lot of kids and a lot of families uh very happy. So um uh well done folks. Uh congratulations. This has been a production of Mike Seibert Radio. If you'd like to listen to any of my past episodes, including all of my old college radio shows, you can listen and subscribe on SoundCloud, Google Play Music, the Stitcher Radio app, and on Apple Podcasts. The show can also be found on Podknife. And if you like what you're hearing, don't be shy. Tell a friend and spread the word. Like, share, rate, and review the podcast wherever you find it, and I will read your reviews on the air and give you a shout-out. You can find me online at Mike Radio on Twitter and Instagram. And if you're an independent artist and would like to share your music with us, or if you're interested in being a guest on the show, shoot me an email, MikeSybertRadio at gmail.com, or just message me. Thanks for listening.